Hey everybody, this is Jake Walker and you're listening to Living for the Day, a podcast that exists to encourage and equip people to live in light of the day of Jesus' return. Thanks so much for listening in today. I am excited, I'm hopeful, because we're talking about forgiveness in this podcast. Wow, forgiveness, whether we realize it or not, is you know so at the heart of what human beings need and also need to extend and it's just uh so crucial and so i thought on this podcast all about living for the day you know forgiveness is so at the heart of the day of jesus's return for those in christ that i thought let's talk about this let's 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 get after forgiveness. Let's be great receivers of God's forgiveness, and let's be great forgivers. So let's jump into this episode. I pray that you'll be blessed, encouraged, and equipped. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about forgiveness. Reflecting, has someone ever really asked you for forgiveness? And what did that make you feel? I'm thinking of, you know, someone not just kind of brushing it off and saying, oh, I'm sorry, you know, but not really meaning it, but someone who really, you know, maybe looks you in the eyes and says, hey, what I did was wrong. I recognize that. I sinned against you. Would you please forgive me? Wow. It's powerful when someone does that and truly admits they're wrong and asks for actual forgiveness. I'm not thinking of a specific instance, but I know that people in my life have done that, and I'm just so thankful. And it just makes me want to be someone who's a great asker for forgiveness and a great forgiver. And, you know, we're talking about living for the day in this podcast. And at the heart of the hope that we could be forever with a holy God is the hope that he would forgive sinners. And so as we talk about forgiveness today, my prayer is that the cross of Jesus Christ would be central, that that's the only hope for true forgiveness is that we've been forgiven so much and our God is generous and he is the redeemer and the restorer and he's our hope. I'm indebted uh, today to... Um, some of the thoughts and writing of an author named Stephen J. Cole. I read an article of his by uh, on Bible.org, and it starts out with this brief story. He writes, The Spanish have a story about a father and son who had become estranged. The son left home, and the father set out to find him. He searched for many months with no success. Finally, in desperation, the father took out a newspaper ad that read, Dear Paco, 
Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. And he writes, in a fallen world, forgiveness is essential to maintain close relationships. We all need forgiveness and we all need to grant forgiveness because we all sin and we all have been sinned against. And today, my friends, I just want to admit that I'm no expert on forgiveness. Um, and I just want to acknowledge, um, you know, the pain uh, that some of you have experienced uh, because of the actions of others and, uh, you know, that, that we're wrong and that, that we're sin against you and against God. And I don't take those pains or those griefs lightly. Those things were wrong and they're heavy. Yet I must declare boldly that the God of creation has broken through evil and sin and made a way to forgive and to be forgiven. There is something even more powerful, more weighty than the greatest sin we've committed or that was committed against us. Hallelujah! It's the cross of Christ and God's forgiving love to all who would repent and call out for mercy. God, would you please let your cross and how much you've forgiven us be central and, and, and just impart in the person listening today a revelation of how much they've been forgiven and how much you can help them to forgive. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Living for the day. Come on. I love this quote that General Oglethorpe once said to John Wesley, I never forgive and I never forget. To which John Wesley said, then sir, I hope you never sin. Apparently, General Oglethorpe wasn't keeping at the forefront of his mind his own need to be forgiven. Because we all sin, we all need forgiveness and we need to forgive. Wesley was probably thinking of the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I want to read it in its entirety because I think it just is brilliant and inspired and helps us understand the framework for why we're called to forgive. So um, stick with me here as we read the scriptures. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to s- the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll repay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow, what a passage. And I think, you know, you get the point. Um, that that one servant who owed so much, the master forgave him. But then when this another servant owed that servant less, he wouldn't forgive him. And my friends, this gets at the heart of, you know, our dulled vision as sinful human beings who tend to justify ourselves and to see other people's wrongs as so much worse than the sin in our own heart, and especially to not recognize the gravity, the depravity of our sin against a holy and perfect God. We don't recognize the evil, the ugliness of our sin against a God and how radical it is that this holy God of all goodness and beauty and light and hope and joy, that this God would forgive us. We don't, in our sinful nature, we don't understand the cost of our sin or the cost to forgive us. But when God's grace helps us to realize the magnitude of how much we've been forgiven, how much it costs God to forgive us when we repent of our sin because of what Jesus did on the cross, when we really Really believe that when the Spirit is merciful and the blindfold comes off our eyes and we recognize how how bad our sin is and how beautiful God's grace is and the love that He had that He would forgive us, only then, only then does it make sense. And do we realize, oh, if the God of the universe, whom I could never pay back, is willing to forgive me, how could I not forgive this human being who sinned against me? It, 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 it doesn't ultimately make sense. Jesus makes it clear for the Christian, forgiveness is not just a good idea that, you know, really spiritual people do. It's actually not optional. It's commanded. It's at the very heart of the gospel. And it's at the heart of our relationship with God. It's at the heart of what is meant to be our relationship with other people. What is forgiveness? Let's define it. Biblical forgiveness is a decision to release the offender from the guilt of their sin. It's refusing to make them pay for what they did. Biblical forgiveness is costly. It's undeserved. It's total. It's final. And this is different from the world. Again, from Stephen J. Cole and Bible.org. The world brushes aside the concept of sin by saying, hey, no problem, don't worry about it, we all make mistakes. But there's no acknowledgement or confession of sin. In biblical forgiveness, the wrongdoer admits, I sinned against you, and asks, will you forgive me? The wronged 
must respond by promising, I forgive you. And this is very different than just saying you're sorry or saying to the one who wronged you, hey, don't worry about it. Paul says that we're to forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. God didn't say, hey, don't worry about it. We all make mistakes. He didn't just brush our sin aside. Rather, our sin renders us truly guilty before God's holy justice. We have violated his holy law. He requires that the penalty be paid. But in love, he sent his own son to bear the penalty that we deserved. When the guilty sinner repents of their sin and lays hold of Christ by faith, God graciously and totally forgives the debt of sin. He releases the sinner from the guilt of their sin. He promises not to remember those sin against them in the sense of not bringing them up again for judgment. And he is reconciled to the sinner through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Thank you that you've forgiven me. God, have mercy on me and help me reflect who you are by being a great forgiver. Again, biblical forgiveness is a decision. And I, I just want to emphasize that, that it's, it's a decision. You can decide to forgive someone and you don't have to depend on your feelings for forgiveness. It's a decision to release the offender from the guilt of their sin. It's refusing to make them pay for what they did. Biblical forgiveness is costly. It's undeserved. It's total. It's final. But my friend, how the heck do we do this? This runs so deep. We must keep the cross of Christ central. I mean, think of Jesus. He never sinned. And yet while he died on that cross for you and for me, do you remember what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What? What a God. What a God. If anybody should have not forgiven, it was the perfect and holy Jesus Christ. And yet he says, Father, as as he's suffering and dying to forgive us, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What? What a God. Who is like this man? Who is like this God? To me, and I think we see this in Jesus' parable, the foundation of forgiving others has to be a recognition of how much we have been forgiven by God. So my friend, how do we forgive? We, re- we start with receiving God's forgiveness of us and recognize how much God has forgiven us if we've repented of our sin and, and put our faith in him. Jesus died to forgive us. We got to start there. We got to start with recognizing that we're that we're that servant who if we've received Jesus, we've we have been forgiven. And so how could we not but extend forgiveness to others? We got to you know step to recognize or admit that we feel hurt or we offended or something's happened. We got to offer those feelings to God. We got to say God help me. Help me remember what you did for me. And help me, Lord. I love that psalm. I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. It says, pour out your heart to God. We got to pour out our heart to God. We got to. We got to. And then I think another step is choose to forgive. Decide to forgive. Remembering that forgiveness is this spiritual, it's an act of a will. It's not primarily a feeling. Though, 
let's pray and ask God to change our feelings. I would just offer that an optional step is using discernment to share with a trusted, safe, Jesus-loving mentor, friend, or counselor who will not go and share and slander the offender. Let's not be slanderers. I think of Colossians, um, I think it's chapter 3, I'm working on memorizing right now, but it says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things things as these, anger, rage, slander, and filthy language from your lips and malice. Wow. And then, you know, this step sometimes we forget. We think it's, well, it's just a matter of my heart, but I really, I think there's a call to demonstrate forgiveness. Be kind, tender-hearted, And it, you know, this doesn't mean that we just, you know, when we forgive, that doesn't mean that just automatically you have to be best friends or that you just completely trust a person in the exact same way. But there is this call to demonstrate forgiveness, to be kind, to be tenderhearted, to be, to be ready to communicate that forgiveness uh, that you made in your heart the instant the offender repents. Okay, a couple other thoughts. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What? Jesus, what? That's radical. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Friend, is there a person that wronged you? Who? This is deep, but Matthew 5, 44 Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. Pray for the one who persecuted you. Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. What, Lord? He's not asking us to do something that he didn't do. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who, the one that you feel, you know, offended by. Bless them. Pray for them. Pray for God's blessing. Pray that God would help you forgive them. And then, I just love Romans 12, 17-21. It's the thought of overcoming evil with good. It says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then it says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Whoo, come on, is that something that we can seek to do as we live, live ready, live longing for the day of Jesus' return, that we would be like our Lord and that we wouldn't be overcome by evil, but we would overcome evil with good. Wow. I love that, you know, forgiveness, another part of this, you know, living for the day, why would we forgive? You know, it starts with the foundation of who God is and and how much he's forgiven us, but it also, forgiveness frees us. It frees, it, it helps us to, 
to move on. You know, sometimes we think if we're not forgiving someone, we're controlling them, you know? We're making them pay. But in reality, what they did is still controlling us. So, there's a gift God gives in His command for us to forgive because it frees us to move forward, right? But I want to stress, and I love this idea, again, from Bible.org, the motive for forgiving others should be to glorify God for who, uh, the motive for forgiving others should be to glorify God who has forgiven you. What you get out of it is a byproduct. So the primary motivation, and I think this is, you know, God-centered again, we're so tempted in our sin and our fallen nature to be so me-centered and human-centered as opposed to God-centered. It's like, we're called to forgive we're commanded to forgive, and let's keep God at the center of this. Let's let's not put what we get out of it as the first priority, but let's make our priority to glorify God and demonstrate who He is. The motive for forgiving others should be to glorify God, who has forgiven you, my friend. What you get out of it is a byproduct. And I love this thought. I watched this you know great clip from Joyce Meyer on forgiveness and you know i just thought it was helpful that that she's she she was talking about like god's not primarily asking you to change your feelings you know he's calling you to make a decision to forgive someone i thought that was so helpful and then she said i love the i love the thought that when we do things that we don't want to do in order to be obedient whoo that's when spiritual growth is really happening And we're called to grow. We're called to be sanctified. We're called to become more and more like Jesus Christ. On that day, we will be made like him, as 1 John says, right? And we're called to grow into who Jesus is. We're called to be like him. One day, we will be like him, right? And so, let's, let's, as we're living for this day, perhaps forgiveness is a core, crucial step. It's a core way that we can become like Jesus, that we can that we can live for the day because our only hope on that day is that he has forgiven us. It's the only way that we could be with God for eternity. It's the only hope. It's the only way. So Lord, help us to be great forgivers. The main point for today's podcast is that forgiveness is crucial to living for the day because it glorifies God. It demonstrates who he is and it frees us to run unhindered. Forgiveness is crucial to living for the day because it glorifies God. It demonstrates who he is. It frees us to run unhindered. And I do want to say, to forgive someone is to promise not to bring the matter up again to use against them. Just as a caveat, you know, in this conversation, sometimes it's necessary to bring up a forgiven sin for the purpose of teaching or restoration. Um... Sometimes it's proper to impose consequences to teach the seriousness of sin as God did with David after his sin with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 12, 9-14. It may be proper for a forgiven offender to be required to make restitution. If one committed a crime, they may need to be prosecuted and spend time in prison. But when we forgive, we should not bring up their sin to accuse or condemn them or to win an argument. That was... That little caveat was, you know, from Bible.org, and I just think that's important to say.
I just want to end with a few more thoughts. Overcoming a spirit of offense takes intentionality and a humble spirit willing to surrender the right to stay hurt. Wow. That's so good. I think at the heart of forgiveness, it's it's giving up the right to demand payment and trusting God that he's the God ultimately of justice. He's ultimately the judge. We aren't. And so as people who have been forgiven much, then we are called to forgive much. And I just love this last idea that where we turn when we're offended, when, where we turn when we're wronged and when we're sinned against is everything. If when we're wronged, we immediately turn to slander and to getting that person back, have we really been changed? Versus when we're wronged, when we're sinned against, we run first to our Heavenly Father and we pour out our hearts before Him. And we remember how much we've been forgiven. We pour out our hurt to the Lord. We remember that he, he collects our tears in a bottle of Psalm 56, 8 says. And we choose to release the offender from the guilt of their sin because in Christ Jesus, that's what God has done to us. Where we turn is everything, my friends. How we doing with forgiveness? We can do it. We can do it. You can do it. With the Spirit of God. You can do it. I can do it. Where we turn is everything. May we turn to God. May we turn um, to godly people in our lives to help us um, in a non-slandering way if we need to process, to help us in that process of forgiving. Hey, my call to action today is this, take action to ask someone for forgiveness if you've wronged them. Not just saying sorry, which is, you know, kind of saying how you feel, but saying, hey, I, I wronged you. I sinned against you. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Or take action to make known to someone who's repented that you forgive them. Or take action to make known to someone who has said sorry, who's repented, that you forgive them. Living for the day, forgiveness, it's at the heart of the day for those of us in Christ. And I say that because for those who don't repent, that that forgiveness is not there. It's offered, but to those who don't repent of their sin, God will repay them for their sin. And so that's part of why we long for others to say yes to God's forgiveness, to cling to God, to cling to the cross of Christ, to uh, share faith with an urgency. Let's pray and then let's get into the nugget. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would recognize how much we've been forgiven by you and that we would forgive others. God, it's at the heart of the day of your return. My only hope that I could be with you for eternity is that you've forgiven me. 
And so, Lord, I pray that I would be a great forgiver. Please, Lord, please, let me not just say this with my words. Let me do it with my life, and I pray for the person listening to this. Oh, God, help them, heal them. Even in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you touch their hearts? Would you deliver them? Would you help them have a picture of you on the cross dying to forgive them? Would they be filled with the love of God? And Lord, as they are, God, would they make the decision to forgive others who've wronged and sinned against them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's live for the day together. May Christians be known for their forgiveness. May we be known for our great forgiveness. Why? Because God has so greatly forgiven us. What's the nugget for today? It's related, the nugget about heaven. And it's this, God's not going to be thinking about our past sins in heaven. Can I get a hallelujah? Micah 7.19, I love these verses. You will have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38.17, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You've put all my sins behind your back. Come on. God is not going to be thinking about your past sins in heaven. Come on, that's good news. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're equipped. I hope you're thinking about the day of Jesus' return. I hope you're longing for that day. And uh, I'm just thankful to be a friend on the journey with you. So I'm praying to God help me to live for the day more and more every day. Um, So thankful for you. Um, hope you're encouraged, hope you're equipped, and we'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.